Let's go, let's go to Genesis 28. How many are ready for a little bit of the word today? You didn't give all your energy to the sugar fest, did you? <laughs> okay, I'll take that as a probably I did. Genesis 28. Genesis 28. Just going to skip around a little bit here and open up the word to you. And then uh, just push on these thoughts that, that I've been working on. I started it last week. Genesis 28, verse number 10. And then Jacob departed from Beersheba, and he went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place. Somebody shout, a certain place. And he spent the night there because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of the place, and he put it under his head, and he laid down in that place. And he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. That's a good place to shout praise the Lord right there. God's going to give it to you. Verse number 15, behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Notice he said, how awesome is this place. One more time, somebody shout place. Place. Now, go with me to Psalms 84 real quick, and then I'll let you sit down. Psalms 84. Psalms 84. This is where we started last week. Psalms 84, verse number 1. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul long and even yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird has found a house. And the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising and giving ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. Verse number 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. And I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Notice in verse number one, it says, how lovely are your dwelling places. This is where we started last week. We started talking to you about the power of place, the power of place. Push on somebody next to you, next to you, and just tell them you're at the right place. Come on, just tell them you're at the right place. You're at the right place at the right time. This is your right place, right place, right time. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, this morning, I thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this place in the next few moments as we gather around the table and dine at your word. Lord, I thank you today that your word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you today, Lord, for what you're going to do in men and women's hearts. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, you're the teacher, you're the revelator and the communicator, you're the revealer of all truth. Thank you today for ministering your word to our hearts. Let it become alive on the inside of us. Lord, we thank you and we give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. One of the primary reasons why God establishes a local church or local churches in various places is because so that in those particular places, the windows of heaven can be accessed and the presence of God can be revealed in that area. It's one of the reasons why God establishes local churches in certain places. Is so that the windows of heaven, because how many know that Jesus 2,000 years ago opened up the windows of heaven and they haven't been closed since? But in order to get access to the windows of heaven, you got to have a local church. So God establishes local churches in certain places so that the windows of heaven can be accessed in that particular area. And whenever a church gets established in a place, and it begins to understand and knows that it has access to heaven's glory, then that glory then becomes sustainable. That glory then becomes tangible. The glory then can become predictable, and serving God becomes attractive in that area. Serving God becomes attractive in that particular place. And people are drawn to his presence. People are drawn to his presence when you have a church in that territory or in that land or in that region or in that place. People are drawn to his presence when that church has been established and people know how to lift up Jesus, then they will begin to experience an open heaven. So that's the primary reason why God establishes a local church in certain places so that the people in that place can have, can have access to a greater realm. Going to wait on you. Catch up with me now. Can have access to a realm of glory that they could not have had without a local expression of heaven's reality in the earth through a local church. That's why Jesus comes along in John chapter 12. He said, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men unto myself. In other words, if we could... Find a church, if we could be a church that understands the authority of heaven wants to invade the earthly realm, and you find the people in that territory that's tied to a local church that know how to make a demand on heaven's will and heaven's purpose. And Jesus said, when I begin to get lifted up, I will draw, I will attract all men unto myself. Amen. So Proverbs 28 says, when the righteous rejoice then there's great glory. Proverbs 11.10 says, when it goes well with the righteous, then the city rejoices. And by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. So when, when an open heaven becomes accessible, lives are changed. Cities 
are transformed by a sustained presence. Can I just help us understand something this morning? We didn't come to church just to punch in our little spiritual clock. But we come here to give access to heaven's realm into the earth that comes through the local expression of a church. That's why you and I gather. I'm trying to make us sure that we understand. I'm working this out because I'm backing up a little bit and digressing because not everybody is on the same page because not everybody's been here from the beginning. You have to know the value and the purpose of being planted in a local church. That was a weak amen. Everybody that's planted should have said amen on that one. So, 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 so when there's an open heaven, then, then, then a church that understands how to tap into that open heaven, that open heaven becomes accessible to the earthly realm. What blesses this city, what blesses this region is not people with money. It's not people with college degrees. Nothing wrong with any of that. I hope you get more of it. I hope you get more education. Nothing wrong. I'm, I'm a, I, I, I push that. I believe in all that. But what blesses this city is not a bigger house or more cars. What blesses this city is a local church that's attached to an open heaven that knows how to pray down the will of God that begins to give light in the midst of darkness and it causes the whole region to be blessed. And we can, we can say, well, we got good companies, we got good people, and we do, we have all of that. But at the end of the day, had it not been for the Lord on our side, we don't know what we would be doing. So, so the, opposite of true is, 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 the opposite of that is true as well. When there's no open heaven and there's no church to access, there's no church to give access to a heavenly realm, then darkness begins to prevail. Then darkness becomes more attractive than serving God does. People begin to move, and I've traveled the cities of the world. I've been all over the world, and I've traveled to many different countries, and you can feel heaviness. You can feel oppression. You can feel demonic activity, and mostly it's tied because there's no church that's been able to tap into realms of glory to give access to a heavenly kingdom into the earth. And in our text, the Bible says, and when Jacob woke up to the reality and the understanding that God had manifested himself, he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. In other words, anywhere you have presence, it's awesome. Anywhere you have presence, it's the gate of heaven. Here's the catch for the local church. Anywhere you are aware that you're standing in God's presence, it becomes awesome. He said, how awesome in this place. And the Bible goes on to explain. We didn't read all of it. He says, and I, and I saw a ladder and angels were ascending and descending. How many of you know, according to the New Testament, Jesus is that ladder? That's what Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse number 50 and 51. He told Nathaniel, he said, he said, the day will come when you will see the Son of Man ascending and descending, and there will be angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus became that ladder. So any church that doesn't promote Jesus, I don't know what they're promoting. Amen, amen. So, so, so now you have all these spiritual things that are at work. There was a ladder. Angels were ascending and descending. In other words, there was spiritual activity 
leaving the earth and drawing heaven's presence, heaven's glory into the earth. That's what a local church does. A local church gives expression and things leave the local church, ascend, and it taps into a realm that eye cannot see and ears cannot hear, but it taps into a realm and things in that heavenly realm begin to descend and the place becomes awesome. I'm going to preach in a minute. This is just a little bit of the theology lesson right here. I'm trying to get to where I'm going. But that place becomes awesome. It becomes the house of God. It becomes the gate of heaven. And when there's a dwelling place established, then his presence ugh, begins to fill the territory. And the territory becomes awesome. Wouldn't it be awesome to have the Glades region known not just for sugarcane, but let it become known because God's presence dwells in that territory. You say, well, that's, that's impossible. No, I believe that's possible. When you have a church that understands the reason why God plants us in a territory, it's not just to give expression to local things, although that's part of it, but he plants us in a territory so that we can give expressions to a heavenly reality because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, if you got cancer, you're going to need a physician that's higher than the doctor. If you, if you, if you, when you, when you, when when you are in a struggle and medication won't help, doctors can't help, money can't buy it. When you're in a state of depression, money can't fix it. At the end of the day, you're going to need to know something. There is a higher realm whereby which you can tap into and find that the glory and the power and the presence of God it becomes accessible. When there's no presence, then you begin to find out that there's no repentance. When there's no tangible, sustainable presence, then there's no repentance, then there's no conversions, then there's no baptisms, there's no restorations, and darkness and evil becomes attractive. <laughs> All right, this will be on the screen for you since your energy is really high today. Therefore, the purpose of the church is to enforce the will of God over regions, cities, and to dislodge every entrenched trespassing power in that location. Look at your name and say, you are a bad somebody. Come on, just tell them, you are a bad somebody. That's what you are. That's the purpose of the local church. We come here to do business for the will of God. And we come here to let every trespassing spirit know you may have been locked down in my family for generations. You may have been locked in this region for generations. But the fact that we showed up, the fact that we are here, you don't, you don't, you don't get to stay any longer. We're about to press on you. We're about to push on you. And we're going to drive you out. We're going to drive you out of our children. We're going to drive you out of our schools. We're going to drive you out of our businesses. Come on, talk to me up in here. We're going to drive you out of everything where you have influence with evil and darkness. And we're going to put the gospel of the kingdom of God. We're going to put the light of his glory. We're going to put heaven's best right in the middle of enemy-held territory. And we're going to say, you have to get up and go in the name of Jesus. That's what the church does. That's the power and the evidence of a church. Now, let me just work these out just for a minute. We're going to get to where I can preach here in a minute. I'm just giving you some foundations here. Let me tell you what the church is not. Are you ready? 
Okay. The, the church is not a social club for bored Christians. <laughs> the church is not a social club for bored Christians. The church is not a dating center for the socially challenged. It's not, a, it's not a place designed for you to organize your social calendar. The church is not a program to be put on for your half-saved relatives to come and enjoy. I said the church is not a program. The church is not a program. The church is not designed to have bake sales, garage sales, Chicken dinners and bingo night. <laughs> More chickens have been sacrificed in the name of God than any other animal on the planet. It's always amazed me that we're going to have a building program. We're going we're gonna to sell chickens. We, we, you know how long, you know how many chickens would have to die to build a building? I'm losing all my amens. Look at your neighbor and say, you just might as well loosen up. It gets worse. <laughs> The church is not a crutch for weak people. Here's a good one. The church is not a political party trying to win your vote. The church is not a political. The, the, church, the church don't take sides. The church is a side. It's like truth. Truth don't take a side. Truth has its own side. What we have to do is we have to decide which side are we going to get on. The church is not a Sunday morning event. <laughs> the church is not a place for you to make business contacts. It's getting quiet in this Presbycostal church. It's, the church is not a building. The church is not a denomination or an architectural edifice with stained glass windows. It's not what the church is. Those, those are all things. We, we have built theology around those things. And that is not what the church is. Here's a good description of the church. It'll be on the screen for you. The church is the agent of the kingdom built by Jesus to disrupt hell's activity in the earth. That's the purpose and the goal and the mission and the assignment of the church is to let every imposing, entrenched spirit know you have no jurisdiction in this territory. And as long as there's a church in this territory, we're going to uproot you. We're going to cast you out. We're going to bind you. We're going to lay hands on the sick. We're going to prophesy. We're going to challenge the status quo. And we're going to let the devil know this town ain't big enough for both of us. Jacob called it Bethel, the house of God, the place where the earthly realm could have access to a heavenly realm. It's what the church is. In other words, it was a place beyond just an experience. It was a place of habitation. It's a place where God dwelled. It's a place where God can manifest his glory. And lives are literally transformed. And the culture then becomes impacted by the lives that have been transformed by a local church. That's why... There needs to be a house. There needs to be a place set up in a territory that has a different information system. 
There has to be a place set up in a territory that has a different value system. It has to be something that has a different ethical system. If not, if not, then the church begins to look like the world that they're called to win. The church is the one that challenges the culture with the presence of God. That's why there has to be a place. There has to be a house established in a territory that moves just beyond a one-time service experience. But it becomes a place where God's glory can manifest continually, habitually, on an ongoing basis, where people can gather locally. People can come to a place and say, I left my house to come to his house and give expression in corporate and unity of the body of Christ. And we begin to push on the powers and the darkness of hell. We begin to encourage one another. We begin to lift people up. We begin to pray for one another. Whether you like it or not, this is one big family. And there's all kinds of people in this family, people that are not like you. They don't dress like you. They don't listen to what you listen to. They don't talk like you they don't even look like you but at the end of the day we're part of a bigger picture and when the church understands that God draws us all together so that we can begin to lift up that name that's above every other name then every power present that's not of God has to loosen its grip and the strongholds have to be broken and the power of God gets manifested and the glory of God gets revealed and serving God now becomes attractive That's what the church is all about. It's not a place where we gather and we just end up living up out of our own experiences. That will be on the screen for you, detached from spiritual authority. That's not what it is. There's something wrong. Let me just work it out now. Are y'all doing all right? Look at your neighbor and say, ask him. Say, you doing all right? Just doing all right? Just check check on them. Check on them. There's something wrong. Watch me now because I'm about to get all down in your business. (laughs) Talking like Dusty Rose now, baby. (laughs) There's something wrong when believers don't want to be in the house of God. And it gets really hard for me to take people spiritually serious when they're not a part of a local church. It, it, I really don't, I, I, read, I even question the spirituality of a person who's not connected to a local church. Because in my mind, my, my, in my, my natural logic and in my spiritual logic, the spiritual logos, the mind of God, it goes against scripture. It goes against the mandate. It goes against the will of God. When believers don't want to be attached to a local house, I have a hard time taking them spiritually serious. Because what you have just informed me that you are, you have become a spiritual guru to yourself. You become an authority unto yourself. And while you may quote scriptures, and while you may pray to God, at the end of the day, you have no validation At the end of the day, you have no authority because Jesus put it best. You can't have authority unless you're under authority. 
And when you have believers, and I'll show you these stats in a moment, when you have America, the nation that we love and the nation that many people in here will, will die for, will bleed our blood on this soil, and that at the end of the day, we want God to move things, we want God to change things, but yet the people who fuss the most are the least a part of the local house, which has all the authority and the power to move it. So it gets really hard. Because how can you say you love Jesus and not his bride? <laughs> That'd be like somebody say, man, I, just, I really like you, Chuck, but I don't like your wife. We got problems. We got problems. We got, if, 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 if you don't love my wife, you're going to have a hard time loving me because that's what I'll give my life for. Push on somebody and tell them that he ain't talking to you. This is for somebody else. He's just trying to help you help somebody else. <laughs> and what's taking place right now, I'm about, to, I'm about to get there. I got a few minutes. I'm about to get there. What's taking place right now through the church is a flood of God's outpouring worldwide. Because there's a generation rising. I'm telling you, there's a generation rising. There's a generation rising that understands the authority of Scripture. And there's a generation that's beginning to put, put some value on the importance of God's Word. And they know, according to Romans chapter 8, that the earth is groaning with birth pains. They know there's a generation. I'm trying to help somebody. There's a generation rise. There's a rumbling underneath the generations that are standing right now because they believe there's a generation that's coming up that understands that the whole earth is groaning with birth pains because there's about to be a birthing in the realm of the spirit that's going to manifest in the realm of the earthly. And notice it's birth pains, not death pains. In other words, something is about to be born. Something is about to emerge. The earth is in travail, ready to give birth. Not death. It's ready to give birth to the true sons of God. Pastor Tina said it a while ago. How can you worship unless you worship in spirit and in truth? There's coming a day and an hour when the true sons of God will begin to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a jacked up society and you can have your money, you can have your fame, you can have your businesses, you can have your family all in order, you can have all your ducks lined up, but at the end of the day, if you are missing the power and the present and the tangible move of God in your life, you're going to miss out on this end time thing that God is trying to do because God is about to give birth to some of the greatest movements, some of the most powerful times that we have ever seen and I believe it's going to hit right here in Sugartown. I believe it's going to come right here in the Glades region. I believe Clouston is on target on the southwest corner of Lake Okeechobee for some of the greatest outpouring that we have ever seen in our generation because I'm trying to tell you, you can look around this room, there is a stirring in some of our hearts and we are contending for something bigger than what we have seen. We are believing for something more than what we have experienced and I believe by the time we get through the end of the day we'll see the power of God. We'll see the hand of God. Come on, talk to me up in here. There's going to be glory that's going to be manifested in every home. There's a power. There's a power that needs to be tapped into. There's something groaning. I'm not looking at the end of the thing. I'm looking at the beginning of something. 
In fact, if, if you read your Bible correctly, the end times, somebody said, oh, we're in the end times. Well, we're in your end times. <laughs> we're in your end times. We're in my end times. We are in the, somebody says, the last days. It's your last days, and it's my last days. Look at your neighbor and say, this is your last rodeo. This is your last rodeo. This is your last rodeo. You don't get like four or five rodeos. This is your last rodeo. This is it. And you know what? God don't have grandchildren. He has spiritual sons and daughters. And if you begin to characterize the end of the age, according to Jesus in Matthew 13, the end of the age is characterized by harvest. The end of the age is characterized by an outpouring and a movement of the Holy Spirit. So let me say it to you this way. Things are going to continue to get worse in the world. Ukraine, Russia, all that. It's, it's, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of things to come. But that is not yet the end. But in the midst of the birth pains, in the midst of the things that we are seeing unfold, we're watching prophecy unfold in front of our faces. But at the end of the day, the church is going to rise. And you and I had the privilege of living in a time where we not only get to witness the outpouring of God's spirit, but he's allowing us to participate with him. That's what he's doing. We are witnessing globally. I'll give you a few stats here. We're witnessing globally massive numbers of people coming to Christ. Africa, Asia, South America, massive numbers of people. Let me just take a break. Look at them and say, commercial time. Let me tell you, I, I, want, I want to move off this just for a second because I want to help people get loosened up. Y'all feel so tight to me. Now, if y'all were standing in front of that sugar fest stage, y'all wouldn't be near this tight. How is it we come to church and we get tight? You know what that is? That's a spirit. That's a spirit. I don't like that spirit. That's a spirit. Watch this. And, and, and here in our church, because we're a small town community, when you get people that you don't really know or maybe somebody you do know you work with, people clam up. I'm going to tell you, you ain't a light at that point. You're part of darkness. Because you just gave into an atmosphere, you just gave into an environment that something needs to be set free from. I'm just trying to help us understand, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm going to tell you something. As, as the world continues to shift, as things begin to take place spiritually, we don't need a dead cold, unresponsive church. You got to have somebody in the building that, that's burning on the inside. You got to have some flames ignited on the inside. And you can't just sit by there and say, well, I hope he says something good. I hope, I hope the praise team sings something that I like. Listen, I'm trying to help us understand when this shifting culture that we're involved in, this is not, listen, if we just fall into the ranks of every other status quo spirit that is in our city, we'll be doubly dead and plucked up by the roots. But God is looking for a house that's on fire. God is looking for a house that understands. I didn't come in here to look at you. I don't I don't care if your shoes match your purse. I don't care if your tie is crooked or your pantyhose is running. I came in here to give God praise. I came in here to give him glory. 
right and you can sit there on my row and act like it don't matter to you but everything in my life matters on this moment because I come to worship the one who alone is able to save me you can't fix me when I'm broke you can't save me when I'm lost so I'm going to serve a God who's bigger than you who's bigger than you who's bigger than you and I refuse to be quiet I refuse to sit back and let that atmosphere dictate what I'm called to be a part of. Now, just push on somebody in your environment. Tell them, say, let's wake up now. Let's wake up. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. Jacob was asleep. And the presence of God was there. The presence of God was there, but he was asleep. That's the problem. That's a picture of the church. The presence of God is among us, but we are asleep to the presence that's among us. And when he woke up, when he came to the reality of the moment that he was in, he said this, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. We need an awakening. You know, somebody said it, might have been Pastor Tina. Somebody said it a while ago about emotions. Who said that? Was it Pastor Porter? Who said that? Pastor Tina. Somebody said somebody. If you serve God based on your emotions, chances are you'll never get a praise out. Because <laughs> I can promise you, not, and, I, and I do this like for a living, right? This is what I do every day. 99% of the time, I don't feel like praising There's still a battle in the flesh. Just because you love God doesn't mean you're going to have to battle against your flesh. And if you're let emotions, feelings, they're, they're wonderful indicators, but they're terrible dictators. And if you're led by your emotions, <laughs> you're just going to sit back and say, well, whatever. That's not how you make the presence of God attractive. The presence of God becomes attractive when you look attractive in the spirit. Amen. So there's this global movement. I just want to give you a few stats here. There's this global movement all around the world that is taking place. We don't, you don't see it on the news, okay? MSNBC, CBS, ABC, I don't know, CNN, Fox. You don't see all these movements. You don't see this on the news. And most of us, if we're not careful, we get our theology from the news. You don't see this on the news. But there are global movements where churches are established in places and they are gaining access to heaven's reality. And there are angels ascending and descending. In other words, there's spiritual activity in those places. Here's a couple of things. It's not going to be on the screen for you, so you just have to listen. One third of everyone who has come to Christ since he ascended has done so in the last 10 years. One third. Here's a good one. Every single week. 
one million people except Jesus Christ. Every week, every week, there, worldwide, there are a million people giving their life to Jesus Christ. More people have been born again in the last 100 years than the previous 2,000 years. Woo. Come on, just somebody shout amen right there. That's awesome. There are literally nations in Africa where churches have been established. Churches have been set up in territories. Nations in Africa are seeing 25,000 people a day being born again. I think y'all missed, a, missed the interpretation. Not 25 a day, 25,000. 25,000 people. I'm just trying to tell you, we're not losing this thing, baby. We're not going to lose this thing. We're not going to lose it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We ain't about to turn nothing over to the devil. Come on, talk to me up in here. China. You know, we, it's in the news a lot right now. Is China siding with Russia? You know what? Is Russia trying to side with China? We're we trying to go into this economic war, putting China in place so they can you know, control everything. China, communist China, is on course right now to have the highest population of Christians anywhere in the next 10 years. <laughs> you know, where you can't preach the gospel openly. You know where you can be dragged out of your homes because you love Jesus. That kind of China. In 2010, Protestants in China numbered approximately 60 million. By 2030, some estimates said there will be 250 million born-again Chinese people in China. Just to put that in perspective, America only has a total population of 332 million people. China, over the last 10 years, has averaged 1,200 people coming to Jesus Christ every single hour. Twelve hundred people an hour. For the, they averaged that for the last 10 years coming to Jesus Christ. Are you, can you handle just a little bit more? The world's number one state sponsor of terrorism, which is led by a radical Islamic regime, now has the fastest growing church in the world. You know where that's at? It's in Iran. Iran, an avowed enemy to America, has the fastest growing church in the world. There are over one million born-again believers right now in Iran. I'm just trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to lose nothing here. I'm telling you, the church is still alive. 
the church still has a place in the earth. And when you understand the power of place and you begin to gain that, it don't matter what the authorities are doing. It doesn't matter how jacked up the government may be. At the end of the day, the church is still alive. You can't shut us down. You can't silence us. You can't move us. We are still here. And we have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Even in Paul's day when Rome was at its highest and it was persecuting Christians, the gospel was being preached and the gospel was being spread and the church began to move and it was alive and nobody could deal with it. That's why there has to be a place in a city, a territory, in a region whereby people begin to gather together. And we gather together not because I've got it all together. I gather together not because I don't have it all together. I gather together because it's a mandate. It's a mission from heaven. So that whenever we begin to pull our strengths and our anointings together, we begin to let the powers of hell know there's something locally that's been established in the territory and he has no authority in the land. 3,000 people got saved on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. Now that happens every 25 minutes. That's why there has to be this emphasis. Now all these places that I just listed to you, all these places that we just talked about, all that's coming out of a local church. It's all coming out of a local church. That's the value of a local church. That's the reason why local churches have been placed, have been sent, is so that people can gather together and we open up the heavens and the land becomes attractive because serving God is attractive. When people see you leaving your house and gathering, you become a living example. You become a living witness that another kingdom is here. That's why there's still this emphasis on gathering. Because when we gather, society can see us. Watch. And it keeps society from losing their conscience of the fact that another kingdom is here. If not, then we just turn it all over to the devil. Amen. I'm about to get there. Y'all got a few more minutes? When we don't gather consistently, then what we're saying to the enemy is there's no value here. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that our citizenship is in heaven, right? When we gather as citizens, as agents of the kingdom, it's to separate and remind us that we're a part of another kingdom apart from this world. That's why we gather. Some of you say, well, I know all these things. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that don't. And there's hundreds that are watching us online that surely don't. And since we are citizens of the kingdom, when we gather weekly with other citizens, we remind ourselves of where we belong and who we belong to. <laughs> if not, then all you're going to see yourself as a construction worker, you see yourself as a mechanic, a doctor, a nurse, Whatever you do, that's, that's how you'll live your life. That's how you'll just keep living, a business owner, whatever, an athlete, whatever. Life is more than sporting events and a job assignment. Part of our gathering is to disconnect us from an earthly destiny 
and to attach us to something that's eternal. Because at the end of the day, when we all get to heaven, guess what? You're not bringing nothing from the earth with you. <laughs> I just popped somebody's bubble. What? <laughs> you don't get to take nothing with you other than souls. That's what you get to take. Okay? So the reason why this becomes paramount to us is because it's all about placement. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord. And how blessed are those who dwell in that place. How blessed are those who dwell in your dwelling places, who habitate in your dwelling places. When the world is filled with chaos, God builds a place and he puts his people in it. He puts his people in it so that the manifestation of heaven's glory can be seen. Write these down real quick because we're going to run out of time and i got to preach them to you. This will be on the screen. Guys, let me just show you the stat real quick. Recent polls over the last several years have revealed that 73% of Americans claim to be Christians, while at the same time only 31% actually attend church. That's devastating. One out of three actually attend, and the one who attends only attends once every six weeks. That's devastating. Where's my amen? Is this mic on? Check, mic, check. I'm pointing this out to you because you're here, but you got friends that should be somewhere. You got friends. Not, I'm not saying they got to be at New Harvest, but they got to be somewhere. They have to be attached somewhere. And, and, and we cannot just continue to foster a culture that says it's okay not to be in church. Because it's not okay. <laughs> For people who to attend only once every six weeks, your life is struggling spiritually. And we have this epidemic where we struggle to be assembled. All over our city, entire families woke up this morning. Children went out to play. Parents laid down watching TV, whatever they do, golf, whatever. Whatever they do, went fishing, whatever they do. We have an entire city that say they love God. But church is not that important. It's not important enough to, for me to get my tired self dressed. Chase these kids around the house one more day and dress them up. But come Monday morning, you're going to get your tired self up. And you're going to get on that job. Yeah, talk to me up in here. And I'm just trying to, and, and there's this pressure because we're, we're living in, in trends and epidemics and, and things and patterns where they're saying to the Christian community, Church is not necessary. Well, that goes against everything that Jesus talked about. It goes against everything in the Word of God. And, and I, I know I'm preaching to the choir for a lot of you because you're here and, you're, and, and you press in. I, I'm just trying to help us understand. We can never devalue 
the purpose of our gathering. Because when we gather, we are sending a signal to a lost world that there's something more important than making your money. There's something more important than you driving your car. There's something more important than you having that last round of whatever you like. There's something more important, and we're going to put value on it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, your children are at stake. Your grandchildren are at stake. And then we want the government to fix them. We want the schools to fix them. Well, you led the rebellion. You led them away from God by you not being consistent. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, I'll be glad when he's out of that series. <laughs> Hebrews 10.25 says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some. The writer of Hebrews is talking to Christians. As the habit of something. So some got a habit of not coming. I'm not talking about you working, right? We know we, we live in an agrarian society here. People have to work. And, and I'm not even saying like during the, 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 the crop season or whatever. And, and some people are working seven days a week. And then maybe their only day off is a Sunday. I, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about being consistent with not any kind of level of attendance. That's what I'm talking about. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, this is, this is, this is probably going to come across a little tough, but it's, it's, it's factual, okay? Believers who are not a part of a functioning church, functioning local church, are living outside the will of God. And they are limiting God's work in their inner man. That's why there has to be a value, a premium. When there's no place of planting, you become subject to believe anything. Okay? I feel like I'm losing all the annoying. I feel like it's, like it's going lower and lower. Each, each, each time I say something, it gets lower and lower. Did you know that 97% of all high school students that graduate and go to college or to any higher learning institution lose their faith? before they graduate because we have turned our colleges into doctrination centers. And what profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? That's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. At the end of the day, it's not about what you gain. It's about what you could potentially lose. You could lose your own soul at this at the, at, the, at, the, at the state of trying to achieve something. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's what the Bible says. Don't remove the ancient landmark, the, the ancient landmarks that your fathers have set. There's got to be this submission to the authority, to the spiritual authority of God's word. If not, then everything in your life is at stake. Okay, let me, let me give you these right here, okay? We've got just five minutes left, and I'm going to get you out of here. When there are no more absolutes, then anything becomes likable, okay? Like the USA Today, it named the women of the year a week or two weeks ago, and they put this person's name out there who's a transgender. She's the assistant he, she. He turned she. 
Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. Her name is Rachel Levine. Is that picture, guys? Y'all got that picture? Okay, that right there. That's the Secretary of Health and Human. USA named him who's posing as a her as one of the women of the year. That's a biological man. Where's the Me Too movement now? Where's women's rights now? We're going to take a biological male and we're going to name them as one of the women of the year. When you have a nation that's no longer governed by absolutes, this is what you get. This is what you have. And, and what? Don't, don't, don't look at the face. I'm talking about the spirit of a thing. That, that's a person that needs help. That's a person that needs deliverance. That's a person that needs Jesus Christ, just like all of us in here needs Jesus Christ. That, don't, don't, don't make it about the face. But, but we promote sin and we call it good. When there are no absolutes, this is what you have in a culture. And, and if you're not raised in church, if you're not part of a local church, you don't ever hear the truth because the news don't give it to you. The government's certainly not going to give it to you. Okay? All right, watch this. Here's college for you, right? NCAA lets a biological man compete in the women's swimming championship. Okay, guys, show that picture. This is a biological young man. That's his name, William Thomas. Men swimming. He was ranked 462. And this is my little sarcasm. He couldn't cut it there, so he became a woman. So he could be ranked number one. Now, you tell me, you tell me, like, if I had a daughter in that, I'd be irate right now. Because that's a biological man competing in a women's sport. He's stronger, he's better, he's faster just because <laughs> he's a man. He's, what do you, to test, t test, what do you call it? Y'all got it? Yeah. Women don't have that. Or at least they shouldn't. <laughs> right? And we stand up, our media stands up, and they applaud it. Well done. No, it's sin at its highest goal because there's no absolutes. And the only people that have the, the, the power and authority to confront it and call it out is the church. Because secular society won't do it. Your friends at school won't do it. But the church has to have a voice in it that says, that's wrong. That's not acceptable. Amen. That's why you got to have. A gathering where you can hear the truth of God's word being conveyed. When you remove the authority of scripture, then we don't know if God created you or did you just fall out of a tree and learn how to walk. Do you marry 12-year-olds? Or do you marry two men or two ladies? Or two men or two women get married? Where's the standard? I'm trying to tell you the standard's not in the world. The standard is in the truth of God's word. And you don't hear that 
in the world, you have to be tied to a place that's accessing heaven's realm so those bondages, those powers can be broken off of people. Okay, let me give you these and we're going to go home, all right? Look at your name and say, I'm so glad. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to preach them. I'm just going to give them to you because I, I, won't, I don't want to come back here next week. We're going to a totally different level here. Reasons why people don't go to church. Number one, they say because the church is not a building. <laughs> well, no joke. No kidding. <laughs> what kind of argument is that? It's like saying the family is not a house. But if you, ha if you have a family, you might want to have a place to gather. Huh? Number two, you don't have to go to church to be saved. These are arguments. I understand that. No, you don't have to go to church to be saved. I understand that. But if you got saved, why don't you want to go to church? The question, is, the question is not, do I have to go to church to be saved? But did I get saved if I don't want to go? Hmm. Yeah? In all my years, and I've been in this my whole life, my whole entire life. I got saved when I was 12 years old. I've been in church my whole life. In all my years of being in church. I've never met a well-balanced, normal-acting, victoriously-living Christian that did not attend church regularly. When people get left to themselves and disconnected from the body, watch this, they get weird. They start seeing all kinds of dreams. They get flaky. They become unteachable. Where's all my amens? Help me out. I'm trying to finish for you. Then they can't tell the difference between God's voice and their crazy friend's voice. Amen. Well, I heard the Lord say, well, I heard him say, get to church. <laughs> then you get caught up in some weird doctrine and you begin to add your spin on scripture on why we don't need to come. Well, I don't have to go to church. I am my own church. No, that's, no you are out of the will of God. <laughs> if you tell me you're a basketball player, well, every now and then, I ought to see you on the court. <laughs> okay. I feel so much love in here. Every shepherd needs a sheep. Or every sheep needs a shepherd. <laughs> yeah? Dyslexia is kicking in. That's all right. I'll be over in a minute. Every sheep needs a shepherd. You know what don't need a shepherd? Wolves and goats. Wolves and goats don't need a shepherd because they do their own thing. But sheep need a shepherd. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I feel so much glory. Number three, I don't go to church because it has hypocrites. Oh, that's a good one. Like there's no hypocrites on your job. There's no hypocrites in the school. Like you ain't got no hypocrites in your family. <laughs> uh, talk to me up in here. There, there are rap singers who pretend to be gangsters. And when they get done with their music, they go back to their multi-million dollar homes in Beverly Hills. How come we don't call them hypocrites? There are country music singers that talk about, sing about their pickup trucks living on the back roads of the country. 
got my dog and my wife, and then I began to lose my wife and my dog. In that order. And then they get into their Bentley, and they drive to their gated community. They don't even own a pickup truck, but by God, they'll sing about one. How come they're not hypocrites? Some of y'all look around and say, well, if you say amen, I'll say amen. I just I can't do it by myself. <laughs> now we have this new vocabulary on, on, on why people get offended, and they call it church hurt. I've been church hurt. I got hurt by the church. Well, let's explore that just for a second. What about work hurt? What about school hurt? What about you ever been hurt by your family? I know people who've been kicked out of the same bar three times but they're going right back up in there on Friday night. <laughs> Y'all way too tight for me. It's just, it's, just, it's just too much hypocrites in there. That's why we're here because we're trying to get better. We're trying to work on our hypocritical state here. We're trying to not be like the world. We're trying to get better. And as long as we keep renewing our mind, the more of God we become like, the more the logos of God begins to get inside of us. Amen. <laughs> Just to be honest, people who use these excuses have authority and accountability issues. They're either offended, mad, or bitter. And they won't blame it on somebody else. You're responsible for your feelings and nobody else. Well, they hurt me. They did, but you're still responsible for your feelings. I refuse, to be held, be, I refuse to be held captive by somebody else's opinions about me. Okay, let me give you the last one so we can rise up and be blessed. How many, is that number, we're on number four? I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. Churches talk too much about money. You ever heard that? You spend your whole life talking about money. You spend your whole life talking. You spend most of your life trying to get it. Money and sex, it's the two things everybody's after, but the church don't ever want to talk about it. Instead of saying amen, people just like, they just like to hit down. <laughs> we spend half our life, most of our life, talking about money, praying about money. Every commercial you see on TV is soliciting you for money. Every ad you hear on the radio is soliciting Soliciting you for money. How come we don't talk about them? You keep listening to that same radio station. You keep watching that same program. Come Black Friday, people will line up all night. Save $20. Look what I got. I had to be here all night, but I saved $20. <laughs> I got me a deal. Yeah, you got your deal. You slept on concrete all night long. That's a deal. Save 20 bucks. <laughs> all right, let me give you the last one. Was that the last one? I'm just trying to let y'all breathe. Uh, let me give you this one. Okay, the church is too big. The church is getting too big. These are the reasons why people don't go to church. Well, the church is just getting too big. I just want to go to a small church. Well, that's crazy. Because smallness is not celebrated anywhere else. You want to go to a small mall? <laughs> Can you imagine the Sugar Fest here yesterday, which was awesome to me? 
Can you imagine the sugar fest? He walked out there, he got two tractors. <laughs> two tractors and one food booth. Like, n- nobody celebrates that. But man, when it's massive, oh my God. I mean, just the platform alone that they had. Oh my Lord. I'm like drooling at the mouth, just looking at the platform. Nobody celebrates smallness anywhere. You want to go, you want to, go to, a, to a professional baseball football game or whatever, and you be the only two people in the stands? Here's the thing. It may start out small, but if it's really good, it don't stay small. Because you can't keep good news quiet. And we may start out small, but man, you ought to come up in here and see what the Lord is doing. You ought to meet my friends. You ought to see my family members. Man, this person had cancer and they got healed. This person over here had a baby believing for a miracle and their baby got healed in the name of the Lord. This person over here should have aborted their baby. Come on, Jacinia. Should have aborted her baby. But look what the Lord has done. My kids are running through children's church. That's why we celebrate the bigness of God. Because we don't serve a baby God. We don't serve a little God. We serve a big big God. Come on, if you believe that, jump up on your feet and give God a shout one time. Come on, come on. Amen. 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 That's why we should be advertising who we are. Everything we put out there on social media, Pastor Porter helps me with all that. He he says, hashtag, making Jesus famous. You know why we put that? I I specific, I came up with that about, about 15 years ago. That, listen, if you see somebody else doing it, it's because they copied me. <laughs> I'm trying to get it copyrighted. I'm in the flows of that because we started that thing. Because right. I said, God, I don't ever want this thing to be about me or about anybody sitting in the chairs. I want it to be about Jesus Christ because he alone has the power to change lives. So our goal is to make Jesus famous. We're not trying to build your ministry, build your ministry, build, build your business. I pray for those things, and I want God to bless them. But at the end of the day, we want Jesus to be high and lifted up. We want this to be an awesome place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. That's why we do what we do. That's why church becomes paramount. And I, and I know I'm preaching three-quarters of the people in here are some of the most faithful people Karen I have ever walked with. We have walked with some of you for 32 years, some for 20 years, however long you've been here. Some of the most faithful people. Jeff and I were talking in the green room a while ago. This church is carried not on, not on 100% tithers and givers. This church is carried on about 30% of tithers. People that keep this ministry afloat and make it happen every week. Those, those are the champions. Those are the real heroes of the kingdom of God. But you know what? God wants to grow that thing. God wants to expand that thing. Because we believe there is a whole region of people that need Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. It ain't about fortune. It ain't about fame. It ain't about money. I'm telling you, it ain't about money. I, I passed that test years ago. We need money. We need, we, need, we, need, we need people in here in this congregation that know how to make money. Because you've got to be a blessing. We, we need that. The kingdom of God needs that. We, 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 need, we need some kings. We need some kings to know how to move money. We need that. But we also need some educators. We need some people that just, that, that just know how to usher, serve. People that know how to do what they do. It can't ever be about what I want. 
It's got to always be about what he wants. And at the end of the day, my life becomes blessed because I'm attached to what he's doing through my life. And the kingdom of God expands. Notice all those stats that we talked about this morning of all these movements of God. Not one of them is happening in the United States. Land of the free, home of the brave. You know, 150 years ago, it was the United States that sent more missionaries. The reason why these nations are exploding with movements of God is because we, America, planted them there. But we become so comfortable saying, well, I just don't need all that. Yeah, you do. Now you know what they're doing? They're bringing their revival, and they're sending their people here to ignite us. Because there's a principle in that. You reap what you sow. I'm glad... I'm glad 150 years ago this nation understood that. But now we're at a place where we have to have movements of God. And ladies and gentlemen, I know this, this might be so way out there because most people are just trying to get through the day and just believe in God for their kids. But I'm just trying to tell you, you've got to have a safe place. You've got to have a place where your kids can be raised, taught and trained the word of the Lord. Amen. Something about a place. It's the power place. Come on, lift your hands right there where you are. Lord, we just take a moment now. We just yield ourselves to you. Lord, we need you more than we've ever needed you before. Man, I just sense the presence of God just moving in over hearts and lives. It's just such a subtleness of God's spirit. And God, we just take a moment as the people of God. We just yield to you. Lord, we yield our hearts. We yield our lives. Lord, we yield our family to you. And Lord, we live in a pressurized society. That says it's okay to be you and do your own thing. But Lord, that's dangerous territory. When there's no submission, when there's no act of obedience, Lord, don't let us stray. Let us be people who are willing to follow you, follow on to know you. Man, I feel the Lord just speaking over your life. Just take a moment. Just declare some things over your family. This is going to be a season of tremendous restoration. God is really restoring some things back into the church. Lord, we just declare, we speak that in the name of Jesus over families. God, that none would be lost they would all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord, that they would have a true, verifiable walk with you. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, will you just one time, 30 seconds, lift up your hands and just begin to praise him right there. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our generation. And Lord, we take a moment, even our own ways, and we just repent of anything that we've done that's not been right or pleasing. And God, we turn. God, forgive us of attitudes and actions. 
Give us, forgive us for being prideful and self-indulgence. God, forgive us for thinking that we can handle it without you. Oh, God, breathe in our hearts. Saturate our lives. Let your glory fill this building and refresh us. Revive us, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praises. last moment maybe you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior just want you to know this is a big family and we want you to be a part of the family I'm not asking you to join this church or be a part of this fellowship in any way but I'm just asking you to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and I don't know everybody in here maybe you're in here and you don't know Jesus there's only two types of people in this room today those that are born again and those that are not those that are on their way to heaven and those that are not. And you know in your heart if you've been born again and you know in your heart if you have not. Or maybe you did know Jesus Christ and you've accepted him as your personal savior, but now you're in this backslidden condition and you know you got to get it right. You're in this place today and you just say, you know what, preacher, I want to get it right. I want to get, I want to join the family of God. I want heaven to be my home. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be separated from the goodness of God, from the love of God, from the fellowship of God. And you're in this place today and, and you say, I just want to make it right. I just want to make it right today in my heart. You're in here today. Will you just do me a favor? Just lift your hand right there where you are. We're just going to pray a 15-second prayer over your life and you're going to be saved and born again all over this building. I'm just looking to make sure. Believe in God. Every week for the past seven weeks, we've had somebody born again. I'm just making sure today that we're not missing anybody. Maybe you're on this journey to find him. I just want to make sure. Hallelujah. Making sure today. Don't see no hands being raised. So I just, I just pray that we're all in. Amen. That's a good thing. We're all in. Come on. Can we just give God praise? We're all in. We're all in. It's a family. Amen. Hallelujah. 
We're all in. So this Tuesday night now, we start our corporate prayer. We go back to corporate prayer Tuesday night from 6.30 to 7.30. You can come off of work just like you are. We just pray. We press into the things of God for one hour. That's all we do. Then Wednesday night is youth again. We pick up youth again, changing the culture of a generation with our youth. Amen. Hallelujah. We just love you. God bless you. May the Lord have his hand upon you, keep you, and watch over you. Let everything that you touch, let it grow and prosper in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today. Love on somebody real good and tell them you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord.